is all about final things. Uh, he speaks about judgment. He speaks about the end of the temple. Uh, but then looking further ahead, he speaks about uh, the end of the world uh, and the final judgment uh, that is to come. Uh, the sermon, uh, Matthew 24 and 25, uh, he's sketching out uh, what is going to take place between the time that he leaves uh, this earth and when he will come uh, again. Uh, he warns them, as I said, I've said, uh, he warns them of the destruction of uh, Jerusalem. Uh, he tells them that he's going to come again. He gives them three uh, parables uh, to reinforce the, the need uh, in this period of waiting, uh, the need to be uh, watching out, to be ready, uh, to be making ready, to be prepared. Uh, the parable of the fig tree, uh, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, and the parable of the talents. And then here in this final section, uh, 31 uh, to 46, he's, he's bringing it all to a, a great climax with the description of the final judgment. The final judgment. So he has warned them, he's, warned, he's told them uh, that he's going to return, that he's going to come again. He, he's warned them that they need to be ready. They need to be prepared. And, and this, in this part of the sermon, he says, well, and now this is the end. The end has come. Uh, Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. And here in this passage, we're given a, a preview of the judgment day. A preview of the judgment day. We read from uh, Paul's letter uh, to Corinthians in chapter 5, where uh, Paul speaks about uh, that we're all going to come before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, Jesus here opens up what's going to happen on that day before the judgment seat. We're given this preview. The day on which every person, every person, every man, woman and child, every person in this room, we're all going to be brought together and we're going to stand in this place on the final day and we will be called upon to give an account for what we have done with our lives on this earth. We'll all be brought together and we will all give an account. And this passage tells us that on that day there are going to be many surprises. Many surprises. Some are going to be unexpectedly rewarded. They didn't anticipate it. They didn't expect it. But then there are others who will be shocked to find out that they're going to be punished. Lots of surprises. So throughout the sermon, the Lord Jesus has been warning of the unexpectedness of his return, the need to be ready. The passage just before the one we're looking at, uh, verses 14 to 30, he gives us the, one of these parables uh, in making ready. Uh, the parable of the talents, 25, uh, verses 14 to 30. And he instructs us, how are we to be making ready? How are we to prepare ourselves for his coming? 
when we're to make ready by living out an active, faithful walk in serving the Lord. Faithfully serving the Lord. Serving him in a way that produces fruit, that produces results. The wicked servant in the parable is is the person who did nothing, who made no preparation. And now here in verses 31 to 46, we're given the criteria on which the final judgment will be based. What's going to be used as the criteria to, to, to judge all who will stand before him? Here's the evidence on which all people will be judged. And what is it? What is it? Our works. Our works. We need to keep in mind, of course, that according to the scriptures, we are most definitely not saved by our works. We are never, we can never ever be right with God by the things that we do or try to do for God. Whatever way we might try to please him, we, those things cannot help us, cannot save us. They don't make us right with God. We are saved. We are saved. We're saved from our sin. We're saved from destruction. We're saved from death. We're saved from the devil. By God's grace. And God's grace alone. Through faith. By God's grace. But. But. We are judged. By our works. We're saved by grace. But we are judged by our works. Because the works that we do. The works that we do. Are the evidence. Are the fruit. Of the grace of God. At work in us. Or on the other hand. They are the evidence. Of our rejection. Of that grace. So. At this point in the sermon, the Lord is saying, the day, the the opportunity has passed, the day of opportunity has passed. The day of reckoning has now come. And in verse 31, we're taken behind the curtain of what is yet to be. And here we find ourselves standing and looking at the day of judgment. Jesus is coming. He is coming again. And when he comes, first of all, He comes to judge. He comes to judge. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered uh, before him. He comes to judge. His first coming to earth was very different. He came in humility and to serve But when he comes again, he's going to come in glory and he's going to come in majestic splendor and with great power. His power and dominion will be seen by all men. His coming uh, will be a, a grand entrance. All the holy angels, all the holy angels, he says, all the holy angels are going to accompany him. Earlier on in the sermon, in chapter 24 and verse 31, he, he, he says 
part of what the angels are going to do in this return. The angels are going to gather his elect from the four winds for from one end of heaven to the other. He's going to gather in all of his children. All of his people are going to be brought in from the four ends of the earth. Earlier on again in Matthew 13 and verses 41 and 42, the Lord Jesus tells us there that his angels are not only going to be gathering in the elect, they're also going to gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. And he tells us of their end. They will be cast, he will cast them into the furnace of fire. The Apostle Paul tells us uh, of the, uh, the same uh, scene, 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 7 and 8. Uh, he's describing the same day when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who do not know God, who, do, who want nothing to, to do with God, who do not obey God, who do not want to follow God's instructions, who do not want to follow his rule, his way, he's going to come and he's going to take vengeance upon them. Those who do not obey the gospel, they've never repented of their sin. They've never turned in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ to save them from their sin. For them, it's going to be an awful day, an awful day of judgment when the Lord Jesus and his mighty angels will come in flaming fire to judge. So his second coming is very different. It's not as a, a baby in a manger, but as king and as judge seated on a glorious throne. God will judge. God will judge all men through his son, Jesus Christ, the one who is highly exalted, the one who has been given the name that is above uh, every name, the one that who's, uh, at whose name uh, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's going to come and he's going to judge. Secondly, he's not only just going to come to judge, he's going to come to separate, to separate. Verses 32 uh, and thirty. Three, all the nations will be gathered before him. The angels will assemble the whole human race before the king on his throne for this final judgment. And when they come before him, he's going to separate. He's going to separate them one from another. He's going to divide all of humanity into two different groups. Two different groups, not three groups, not four, not ten, not twelve. There are not many different groups, not many different ways of coming to him. There's only two groups and there's not one big group. It's not one big happy family. There's going to be two groups. He's going to divide. Like a shepherd separating the sheep from the goats. Jesus here is using a picture from everyday life in Palestine. The sheep and the goats would graze together. 
but at times uh, it was necessary to separate them. He's given us a picture of the world, this world. In this world, the sheep and the goats picture the saved and the unsaved, the believer and the unbeliever. And in this world, we're side by side. We're side by side. We're in the world. We're side by side in the visible church. There may be sheep here, but there may also be goats here, side by side. And perhaps we don't know, really, who's a goat and who's a sheep, a real goat and a real sheep. But at the end, at the the end, there's going to be a great separation. It's not a separation that is determined by religion. Well, all you prods go over there, and all the rest of you over that side. It's not determined by religion. It's not determined by denomination. All the Presbyterians are like them over this side, and whatever you, the rest of you are over here. So it's not denomination. It's not by family ties. Well, everybody that went to church doesn't matter who you are, go over here and everybody who didn't go to church, go over here. It's determined whether a person is saved or not. Whether a person has believed or not. Whether a person belongs to Christ through faith or not. This separation will separate Nations, it'll separate congregations, it'll even separate families. The sheep are set on his right hand. The right hand symbolizes a place of honor and favor. The goats are set on his left, the place of dishonor. You need to take notice, you need to take notice. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. There's no fence. There's no fence. A person will either be set on his right hand or his left hand. You will either be saved or lost. Saved or lost. And that position, that position is fixed and determined here and now in this life. Whether you're a sheep or a goat is determined here in this life. Not then. Not at the end. But here and now. It's either determined through repentance and faith in Christ. Turning from your sin and turning to Christ. Or continuing in sin and continuing in your unbelief. The question for us all. The question for us all is. Have you made ready for that great day of separation? Are you ready? For that day? Because what is sure is we're all going to be there. We're all going to be there. But will we all be on the right side? question is which side will the king 
set you on. And you know, you know in your heart right now, you know where you're going to be. Because either you love the Lord Jesus and you know he's going to put you on the right, or you have, at the moment, you've nothing to do with Christ. You haven't committed yourself to follow him. You haven't turned to him in faith. And you know in your heart, you'd, you'd, you want to be there. You want to be on the right side. But you know it's a reality. You won't be. If it was suddenly to end right now, you know you won't be there. How can we know if we are a sheep or a goat? How do you know if you're a sheep or a goat? Well, the judgment and the separation is based on evidence. It's based on evidence. The sheep are those who show evidence of their faith by their works. They show evidence of their faith by the way that they have lived. The goats show no evidence of works of faith. It's important to remember that in the judgment, in the judgment, on this judgment day, not one single sin, not one single sin of the believer will be brought up. No sin. No matter how great, no matter how shameful, no sin of the believer will be brought up. It will not be examined. It will not be probed. And it will not be judged. Why not? Why not? Because every sin of the believer has been completely paid for. Completely paid for. It has already been punished. It has already been dealt with. It has already been completely done away with. By Christ. He has dealt with it on the cross. Look what he says. Look what he says. It's only. It's only their good works. Which are, are brought up here. It's only their good works which are mentioned. It's a completely different situation for the unbeliever. The sins of an unbeliever have never been dealt with, have never been paid for, have never been punished. They will be brought up, they will be examined, they will be opened. And they will be judged. And there will be condemnation. Because punishment is due. He comes to judge. He also comes to separate. And thirdly, with regards to the sheep on his right, those who are saved, he comes to bless. Verses 34 to 40. Come, you blessed of my Father. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. They are blessed by the Father. 
blessed by the Father who has saved them from their sin and from all its awful consequences. They are blessed because they have been made right with God through his own Son. They are blessed as they come to take their inheritance. Something that is inherited, if we receive an inheritance, it's something that comes to us uh, as a gift. But it comes as a gift as a result of a death. The Christian's inheritance comes to us as a gift. It's a gift. But it too comes to us as a result of a death. Only it's the death, the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. His death that made satisfaction, that paid the price for our sin. He paid our debt. Our debt. Our sin deserves death. He paid that debt by dying in our place. Christian inherits the kingdom, a place in the kingdom of God, being set at the king's right hand, inheriting a place in his kingdom, not because of something that we have done or because of who we are or we are any special or or better than anyone else. What does Jesus say? Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. It's been prepared for you. When was it prepared? When, When we... When, when they saw how, how good we were, what nice people we were, how religious we were, how holy we were. No, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 34, from the foundation of the world. This place in the kingdom was prepared for the believer before we even existed. From the foundation, from the creation of the world. It's be, it has been prepared for God's people, for God's elect, for God's chosen ones, for his people, his children. We can't pat ourselves on the back and say, Bah, what a good sheep am I. We're not good sheep. We're silly sheep. We're disobedient sheep. Our salvation, our inheritance has always been in the plan of God. It's been prepared for us and it's all to his glory alone. Verses 34 to, uh, to 35 to, to 40, we have the reason for their blessing. Here's the evidence. It's the evidence. It's not the basis of our election. It's not the, the, uh, the basis of uh, our being right with God. It's the evidence Totally different. The evidence of our faith in Christ. And what is the evidence? They loved and served the king's brethren. They loved and served the king's brethren. Verse 40. King will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. You did for me. When they did any of these good things that are mentioned in verses 35 and 36 to the least of his brothers, he says, you were doing it to me. These good deeds have not earned them their salvation. They are the fruit 
They are the evidence of their salvation, the evidence that they belong to this kingdom. One writer puts it this way. Uh, he says, well, it has rained. How can we tell it's rained? Because the road is wet. We look out and we, we didn't see the rain, but we know it has rained because the road is wet. The evidence of rain is seen by the wet road. The evidence of faith, how do we see evidence of faith? It's seen by the good works that follow. There is evidence in a person's life when God is at work in them. There will be no evidence where there is no faith. So what about you? What about me? What about your life? What about my life? Is there any evidence of God at work in us? Jesus the king, the judge, will look at the evidence in each of our lives, as Paul says there in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. He will look for the evidence. What's, what's important to notice is that each of these works are referred to the king himself. I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger, I was naked, I was sick, I was in prison. Each work is done to the king himself. And there, 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 there are works that are done to the humblest, to the lowest of his brethren. Perhaps the person that you wouldn't give a second glance at or a second thought about. The least. And look at the list. If you're thinking, well, what could I do for God? How, how can I serve God? Well, I, I, I've, I've no A-levels, I've no degrees, I've no, I've no GCSEs, I've, I left school when I was whatever, um, done jobs, whatever. I do the humblest thing. Well, what about me? Look, look at the list. Look at the list. There is nothing big in the list. There's no great work. There's no special exploits mentioned in this list, when he comes to examine, what's he, going, what's, he, what's he looking at? Only works that any one of us could do. No matter how old, no matter how weak, no matter how sick, no matter how young, no matter how small. Works that any one of us could do. Because they're day-to-day things. They're very simple things. Feeding someone. Given someone a drink, a cup of water, or even better, a cup of coffee. Visiting, visiting, just spending time with someone. Very simple and very small things. No big things. Doesn't need theological degrees or qualifications. They're not in the list. In Matthew 7, we have a very different bunch of people. Matthew 7 and verses 22 to 23, Jesus says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, Who are you? 
do, do I know you? It's all show. It's all display. It's all just to be seen, to be admired by others. And Jesus said, I never even noticed it. But he says to the believer, to the believer who goes to the house where no one else goes, to a person with nothing to offer, who can give nothing back, and they sit with them. They sit with them. They share a drink. Give them their time. And then quietly go on their way. And Jesus says, you did it to me. You did it to me. In our daily life, in the little things, his followers give proof that they are truly his disciples. And the sheep, the sheep are surprised. They're amazed. They, they didn't never realise that doing something so simple, so mundane, would ever bring such, such praise from the king. Their surprise, again, shows that they're, they're not depending on these things to save them or to make them right. They're not doing it because we think, well, God will, will look more favourably upon me if I go and look after somebody that can't look after themselves or if I do something kind for that person. They're not doing it for that at all. They didn't do it for the reward. They were simply living out their faith in practical ways from day to day. Simple things. And what they've done for his sake, the king counts as done to him. The little, little, little things that are done and almost immediately forgotten, they're remembered by the Lord. And Jesus says, Jesus says here, they will be mentioned on the day of judgment. (coughs) Not the theological training, not that you held some special office, not that you went to some foreign country and, and sought to do this, that and the other. These simple things. Verse 34. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. But then to those who are on his left, he comes to condemn. He comes to condemn. Verses 41 to 45. Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Their curse is their destination it's not a temporary place of purging it's not a second chance Uh, it's an eternal fire eternal separation from God eternal condemnation they are to be ever they are to be forever with their father who's their father who did they serve well they they weren't certain they were certainly not serving God the father in this life And Jesus says, if you're not serving me, you're serving the one who is against me. They were serving their father, the devil. And now, at the end, well, join your father. 
Join your father forever. Join the devil and all who are associated with him. Revelation 20 verse 15. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And there's only one way to have your name in the book of life. That is through Jesus Christ. It's only through faith in him. The name of every believer is written in that book of life. If your name is not in the book of life, then it's in the place of death and eternal condemnation. Whoever comes to me, says Jesus, I'm not, I'm not going to turn away. I will never turn them away. But here he declares to those who have never come to him, they're to be cast out, cast out forever. Hell is separation from God. It's everlasting torment in the company of everything that is evil. The goats are surprised. They're surprised. They're shocked. We, we, we never saw you hungry. We never, we didn't know you were in prison. We didn't know you were sick. The reason that they are cast out is you did not. You did not. Again, look at that list. Look at that list. How many times does he mention in that list? How many times does he mention murder, adultery, theft, whatever? There's no mention at all. What's their condemnation? You did not. In these simple things, you did not. You did not do it to me. People think that they'll get to heaven because they're not that bad. Because they haven't committed murder. Because they haven't committed adultery. Because they haven't abused anyone. Jesus says they won't enter heaven because they didn't show any evidence of belonging to him. By attending to the needs of the least of his brethren. Here are people who are wrapped up in their own concerns. They're indifferent to the needs of those who are around them. And Jesus says you didn't do it. You didn't do it to them. And so you didn't do it to me. Jesus is looking for evidence. Evidence that you've trusted. Evidence that you've accepted him as your Lord. His condemnation isn't expressed in terms of some awful crimes that they've done. But in what they've left undone. The way that we treat others, the way that we treat believers, the way that we speak about them, even the very least, is the way that we treat treat the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The way that we speak of them is the way that we speak about him. If we choose to run somebody down, to make light of them, to make little of them, if we spread gossip about them, we do do them some unkindness if we think well they're just not my type of person they're not I, I don't want they're in a different category they're in a different level uh, to me one day we will discover we were doing it to Christ himself and what a shock it'll be because they never saw They never saw Christ in in them. These are the Lord's final instructions to his followers. 
The way that we live from day to day, the way that we treat the lowest person in need is of the greatest important importance in the end. It's really important in the end because eternity is involved. Verse 46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. He's coming again. He is coming again. And when he does, he comes to judge. But he also comes to separate. He'll come to bless. But he will also come to condemn. Are we ready? Are we making ready for that day? As he says to his disciples here in this sermon, it's going to come without warning. It's going to come totally unexpectedly and we will suddenly find ourselves either on his right for blessing or his left for condemnation. Blessing, condemnation, and it's for all eternity. Amen. May the Lord have mercy upon us all.